Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at MyBookie. There is still time this football season for you guys to jump in on all the action and sign up for a brand new account. All you have to do is spend about 30 seconds, go to mybookie.ag, use our promo code UGA, and get a 50% bonus on your first deposit for all new users. This deal is only going to last for a couple more weeks through the remainder of the 2023 football season. So definitely jump in on it while you still can at mybookie.ag. But all right, guys, I am your host, Tyler. And I know it's been a week or two since we've been able to hook up here on the podcast. But back with me again today is my longtime co-host, Curtis. And we've got some headlines to discuss here on the show today. The news has been coming hot and fast over the past week or two with some big developments coming over the past couple of days. So we want to touch on all of that today. But Curtis, in case you haven't noticed, my man, the sky is falling here in Athens, Georgia. It's over, dude. It was a heck of a run. We will cherish those national titles for the rest of our lives. But make no mistake about it, there won't be any more. At least that's the vibe you would be getting if you had spent any time on social media or on Georgia message boards over the past couple of days. Now that we have lost 18 players to the NCAA transfer portal in this December window, it's actually 15 scholarship players, but 18 players nonetheless. And over the past couple of days, there have been some bigger names that have left our roster and entered the portal. Guys like Marvin Jones Jr. and Jamon Dumas-Johnson, former five-star DB, A.J. Harris as well. Those names that have entered the portal recently seem to be the names that have put some of our wonderful brethren over the edge right now. But Chris, I want to get your thoughts on this. How concerned are you personally about this quote-unquote transfer portal exodus over the past two weeks? I get maybe raising your eyebrow a little when it comes to Marvin Jones Jr. The the pop decision is kind of what like makes me laugh the most because first off, most people were under the impression that he was turning pro. Yeah, I mean, coming this season, this is a guy people not we're not only calling an All-American, he was tabbed as a first team preseason All-American. So that was the expectation coming into the season for sure. Exactly. And this whole time, I was never even the thought of him going in the transfer portal never occurred to me because I kind of counted him as being gone already. 
And so that 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 part really cracks me up because I never expected him to be here. But then even if he was staying, I mean, yeah, we talked all season that there were players a lot better than him that were starting to finally get it. And yes, that you know they had those made some mistakes. You saw it against Bama and some of these other games. But those those guys, especially going into next year, are going to have more experience. It's going to be hard for him to hold them off. So him leaving doesn't really surprise me or make me freak out. The Marvin Jones Jr. I mean. And the guy really, you know, we talked about it. Yeah, he hadn't been able to lift weights. And because of so, he really hadn't made a major impact on the field for us yet. I, and I, so I get people see, you know, a lot of them especially will see the five-star status of saying, you know, the five-star transferred out. But I don't really feel like we're losing a five-star player. That's, I think that's part of the disconnect here, Curtis. I think some people out there have a hard time, in our fan base, outside of our fan base, whoever, I think they have a hard time understand there's a difference between a five-star high school prospect and a five-star college football player right it does sometimes it translates absolutely sometimes it does but oftentimes it doesn't translate and just because a guy was a five-star coming out of high school i know you have high expectations of those guys you get all hyped up about them but it doesn't always mean they're going to give you five-star production at the college level and i think with marvin Jones jr curtis i think that is a, a prime he's a prime example of that i mean curtis we all know that chas chambliss is a guy that has some serious physical limitations. He plays his heart out for us. I love the guy for it, and I appreciate everything he does for us. But, I mean, we've talked about it many times. Everyone knows this. There are some serious physical limitations when it comes to Chas Chambers. But, Curtis, let me ask you, who would consistently start for us at that Jack linebacker position over Marvin Jones Jr. this year? Chas Chambliss. Chas Chambliss, the guy that everyone wants to kill, right? Everyone wants to kill. Oh, my God, how, get this guy off the field. How, how can Is this the best that we have? Get Marvin in there. Well, if you are so upset about Chaz Chambers being on the team and getting so many snaps, then why are you freaking out about the guy that couldn't beat him out? You know what I mean? I mean, I know yeah. he's a young guy. I get that. And his best of all is probably still ahead of him. I understand that. I do get that. But we're still, we're talking about a player that could not beat out Chaz Chambers on a consistent basis at that position. To me, I, I would love to keep the guy because you know maybe he does blossom in a year or two, but losing him? I don't see how that has any tangible impact on our ability to win championships moving forward. And that's how I look at the transfer portal curves. Do, do these guys that, that are leaving, do does losing them have a tangible impact on our ability to win a SEC title and obviously more so a national title moving forward? And I don't, for me personally, this is just me. Now other people have different opinions and that's great. But personally, these names, Curtis, not one of them do I say, like, oh, man, that's going to keep us winning a national title. That one kills us. I mean, Curtis, let's run through the list of players. Let's run through the names here. Darius Smith, Jonathan Jefferson, Brock Vandegrift, CJ Madden, Jackson Meeks, Austin Blassie, Jared Zirkle, EJ Lightsey, Makai Muse, Nyling Green, Xavier Sori, Jameer Moten, Zed Haynes, Alou Ba, Logan Johnson, Marvin Jones Jr., which I know some people are upset about, AJ Harris, another one we'll talk about, and Jamon Dumas Johnson. Which one of those players, Curtis, is going to keep us from winning a national title? Not a single one personally, and that's and I think that's my biggest thing. You know, it hurts us depth-wise, yes, which that could affect us winning a national championship. But talking about lose, actually losing people where we need to freak out because they're impact players, that I have not seen yet. I get the depth argument, I, and people throw that at me, and I, and I, I can hear that. I can listen yeah, to I, that. Yeah, I can hear that, but impact-wise, not one of those players to me is someone that is like they, – they change the game when they're playing. Well, how many of these guys were even in the two deep, Curtis? How many of them? Okay, um, Brock was number two quarterback. Brock, um, Brock, and probably uh, Pop. Zirkle, I guess, number two kicker, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see. Xavier, not sorry, really. I mean, at the beginning of the year, but not late in the year. Nyland Green. 
I guess he was in the two deep. Uh, Marvin was in the two deep. AJ wasn't really in the two deep. And Pop was in the two deep. He was a starter, right? So we've lost one starter and maybe four or five guys that were even in the two deep. So I, I hear, okay, well, you lose all these players, so that hurts your depth. Well, that would be true, I think, if we – I would. I think it would be more true if we didn't bring anyone in to replace them. But when you're going to replace them with guys from the portal who you think are going to – they will contribute more to your success than those guys did a year ago. And also, of course, here's the thing that people aren't understanding, I think. We literally had to have like 17 to 18 guys enter the portal and leave this program for us to make room for all the transfer guys and, more importantly, the, the young guys who have come in in this 2024 recruiting class. We would not be under the 85 scholarship limit unless a bunch of these guys – I mean, honestly, all of these guys left via the portal. So if you find yourself – concerned about the debt situation and, and losing these guys to the portal, what that means for us next year from a debt standpoint, I think what you have to ask yourself is, what are you more comfortable with? Would you rather have a bunch of guys on your roster that have been around for a couple of years but have shown no signs of really being able to contribute to your success on the field and aren't even able to, to crack the two deep? Do you want that over... A bunch of, yes, younger guys coming in in the 2024 recruiting class, but guys that at least have a chance to contribute more significantly to your success on the field. And do you want to keep these guys around who haven't really done anything on the field, haven't been able to get on the field? Do you want to keep them around over maybe going to get some guys out of the transfer portal that can be instant impact guys that can actually help you on the field? We're going to have 85 scholarship players one way or the other. We're going to have the depth, but do you want to keep around guys that have basically shown you they're not impact players just because they've been around for a while. I'd personally rather roll the dice and see if some of these young guys in the 2024 class or some of these transfer guys can be more impactful players for us and can provide us that depth that we need. So I really don't know how much of a blow it is from a depth standpoint. And I know that's something that people push back on, but I don't really necessarily look at it that way. Which I think is fair. And I, I think, honestly, the biggest negative to the players that we've lost is just that it's given the media and outside people yeah. a, a more of a narrative and public perception. That's really yeah. all it is. But how much does that even matter, Curtis? We're talking about tangible impact on the field. Like, it's a narrative that sucks, that you don't want to hear, that's going to get annoying over the course of the offseason. It is. Trust me. I know it is. But how much is that actually going to affect our team next year and our ability to win a title next year? It doesn't matter unless you're on the fringe, you know, part of the fringe fan base, because realistically, anyone that has common sense, you I mean, you do see like these things have to happen. Yes, it sucks. And like, do I think it's bad? You know, like wish some of these guys stayed around longer and things like that, of course. But the fact of the matter is, in this world, we still have not lost players that kill us. Absolutely, Curtis. Absolutely. And I would also say this. I mean, I know this is somewhat new for our fan base, I guess. We've had guys leave the past years, but. When you win national titles, you tend to overlook these things, right? When you have a, a heartbreaking loss the way that we did to Alabama in the SEC Championship game, we lose our first game in 29 games, then all of a sudden now the sky's falling because you have a, a relatively the same number of guys entering the portal. I mean, more or less, close to it. It's just it's happening really fast, and we're not playing for national titles, so we don't have that to distract us. But I, and I, don't, I hate always having to compare it to Alabama, but I know everyone always wants to, so let's throw this out there. Okay, Curtis, the last two seasons – Alabama has lost 22 and 21 players to the transfer portal. Well, who's in the college playoff this year? Alabama. It didn't keep them from getting the college playoff this year. It didn't. So all I'm saying is – I'm not saying that you have to love this new world we're in. What I'm saying is this is the world we live in now. This is not unique to us. This is not unique to us. This is going to be 
the the standard pretty much moving forward unless there's something done with the transfer portal. And the, the reality is, Carlos, what happens is when you recruit the way that we do, that's this is the nature of the beast. When you recruit as many elite prospects as we do, five-star guys, high four-star guys are not going to sit around and wait multiple years in this day and age when all they've heard their entire lives, Curtis, is how great they are. And so they're not going to sit around, especially now when they can go and capitalize on it financially at a school that needs them more, that is more desperate, and they can get playing time. It's it's just modern college football. It is what it is. This is not unique to us. So this idea that the sky is falling for Georgia, oh, my God, whether there's people from within the fan base, people outside the fan base saying, oh, my God, what's happening in Athens? Nothing's happening. Nothing is happening in Athens that's any different than what's happening around the country. This is the world we live in. So I know some people – I know some of you listening are probably very upset about this, and you're freaking out about it, and I, and I appreciate you for that. On some level, I really do because that means you care. It means you're passionate, and that's what makes college ball great. That's what makes the Georgia fan base so great. But also just understand the context. Look at the world around us and the world that we're in now. This is not abnormal. And now, we were losing guys like you know if Carson Beck's in the transfer portal, if you know uh, Dylan Bell's in the transfer portal, if uh, – I don't know. Let's say Malachi Starks. If those guys are in the transfer portal, course, guys I think would have a tangible impact on our ability to win a title next year. Well, then I'm, I'm a, I'd be concerned about it. But right now, again, like when you read those names, Curtis, it doesn't really scream that the sky is falling. And in fact, I'm, I'm going to give you these numbers, Kurt. Tell me what you think about this. So I'm, I'm a loser, and I had some time on my hands today. So I went and I crunched numbers. I was just curious, okay? So I'm, I'm not including Jamon Dumas-Johnson and Marvin Jones Jr. in these numbers, okay? Because those are the only two guys that would even remotely be considered starters. Pop was a starter all year until he got hurt. Marvin wasn't a starter but played over 200 snaps. But if you take those two out, Curse, the other 16 players that have entered the transfer portal for us at this point, had a combined 712 total snaps this season. Carson Beck, Curtis, himself alone played 771 snaps. So what in the world are we freaking out about? 712 snaps combined amongst 16 players that entered the portal. Carson had 771 himself. I, I, if you're upset about Pop leaving, if you're upset about Marvin leaving, I guess I somewhat get that. But none of the other 16 players that left honestly, should even remotely phase anyone. They were non-factors. I mean, Makai Muse as a return guy had a couple of nice returns, and that did bring some value to the team, but, I mean, he didn't do much on the field in terms of actually playing out there on, on offensive snaps. None of the other 16 players should even remotely phase you. So if that's the case, then you're looking at, well, let's say 15 players that you really shouldn't be concerned about because you do have A.J. Harris, who a lot of people are freaking out about because he's a former five-star. So 15 guys you're not really concerned about. Because they really didn't do anything while they were here. So that leaves us with three guys. Pop Dumas Johnson, Marvin Jones Jr., and A.J. Harris. But let's look at the context there with each of those three players. And let's start with with Pop. Let's be real, Curse. His snaps went down last year. What were the odds that Pop was even going to start next year? Um, He may have started just for appearances sakes, but he was not going to get a majority of the snaps. That was for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it would have been – I don't know if it would have been split exactly 50-50, but it certainly would have been split more evenly. In fact, I mean, his his snaps went down this year, Curse. I know people want to say, oh, well, you know, yeah, he, he got hurt, so, you know, you, you got to factor that in. No, I'm talking about snaps per game. He had 44.7 snaps per game last year or in 2022. This year, 
three snaps per game. Down seven snaps a game with a true freshman in C.J. Allen there. C.J. Allen will be a true freshman next year, guys. C.J. Allen's going to be a big-time player for us. Our coaching staff loves that guy. And same thing with Raylan Wilson. Pop's snaps were going to continue to go down. And I see what Pop's looking at. This is a guy that has two years starting experience in the SEC, got a national title under his belt. This guy wants to play like full time. Like he wants to be a full time starter and at Georgia. The reality is that's not going to be the case. It's just simply not. And I, I can tell you guys that in meetings with, with the coaching staff after the season, he was straight up told that we're not telling you you're not going to start, but there's no guarantee that you're going to be the starter next year. And just understand these uh, these young guys are going to play. And I get it. A guy like Pop, who's been around and played as much as he has, he wants to be more of a full time player. And I get that. So that's why he left. I mean, th- that that's the reality of the situation. And I go with Marvin Jones Jr. again. This is a guy that, again, could not unseat Chaz freaking Chambliss, and he saw the writing on the wall. Jalen Walker is going to play a lot more at Jack next year, guys. Damon Wilson is going to be a, a sophomore. And I'm just going to put this out there. Michael Williams, guys, from what I am being told right now, is there's a strong likelihood he is going to move to Jack next year. So when you know that and you see those players come in and play in your position, you're like, oh, Oh, okay. Maybe you see the writing on the wall. And I don't care that you're a five-star player. Our coaches don't look at it like that. I know our fan base does. I know people outside the fan base look at it that way. That's not how our coaches look at it. They look at it from a production standpoint. And the reality is, is both Walker and Wilson, when they were on the field, were far more productive than Jones was. That's just a reality. And those guys are going to have a full offseason to continue to get better. And there's no guarantee that Jones is going to even see the snaps that he saw this year. He played a little over 200 snaps this year. So when I look at the context, I don't worry about the situation now the other name Curtis, i think some people are also frustrated with and concerned about because even though he didn't really play this year was aj harris five-star cornerback obviously big time guy coming to last year's class how concerned are you about a guy of that caliber leaving the program uh not at all when you actually you know do do some research and find out that you know he was actually being asked to move positions to either safety or star yeah. because they really you yep. know you honestly did not think he was going to beat out the people that were already in the program and the people that were coming into the program. So after hearing that, you're kind of like, okay, I mean, yeah, once again, it's another five star, but that's it. Yep. You're exactly right. Curse. That's the thing with AJ. I I still think he's a talented player. I think he could be a really, really good safety, maybe a good star defender, a slot DB. And our coaches just weren't sold that he he was like a legit outside cornerback. He is sold that he is. He thinks he is that guy because that's where the money is in the NFL. And he thinks he's that guy. That's what he's played his entire life. And our coaches are not 100% sold that that's the case. They think, as you mentioned, safety or star might be a better long-term fit for him. He doesn't see it that way. So what is he going to do? He's going to transfer. And also, by the way, guys, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, Julian Humphrey is coming back. So he's not going to start next year unless he maybe unseats Dalen Everett, maybe potentially. I don't think I don't think he's going to beat either Dalen or Julian because he didn't this year. And also, by the way, our coaching staff really likes Daniel Harris, who's a much lower rated guy coming out of last year's class. But our coaches love this guy long term at corner. So this is, again, as you mentioned, a five star guy who's sitting here looking at the situation saying, oh, I'm a five star dude. I'm going to have to sit and wait for two years now and maybe have a shot as a junior. Why would I do that when I can go elsewhere and play right now and get NIL money on top of it? That's what's happening here. This guy was almost, shouldn't say certainly, was probably not going to start for us next year. It was unlikely. And when this guy moves on, okay, yeah, five-star guy, then that sucks. Well, you know who's coming in this year, Curtis? Ellis Robinson the fourth, the number one cornerback in the country, who I think has a chance to be the best player in the entire country in this class, potentially. 
I think that highly of this guy. I mean, at the seven on seven stuff with the Elite 11 over the summer, he completely shut down Jeremiah Smith, who's the number one receiver in the country. So this guy is legit. He's going to come in and compete day one for like serious snaps at cornerback. So I know you see five star with AJ Harris, like, oh my man, I don't want to lose a guy like that. And I get it. I'd rather, I'd rather keep a guy like that and see what happens, see how, he's, see how he develops long term. Of course, I'd, I'd rather keep him. But again, just like with Pop, just like with Marvin Jones Jr., AJ Harris moving on doesn't really phase me all that much because I don't think it really has a tangible impact on our ability to win national titles. And so people can disagree with me on that. That's fine. But that's kind of how I look at it. And we've got plenty more to touch on today, guys. A lot more headlines to get to. But before we go any further, I do want to remind you once again about our great friends at my bookie. Yes, the bowl season did start this weekend. But we are just scratching the surface. We have a couple weeks left of all these great bowls. The Bowl Nanza is ongoing. So make sure to jump in on all the bowl action while you still can. We've got a couple of weeks. And it's really simple, guys. Just go to mybookie.ag, use our exclusive promo code UGA, and you get a 50% bonus on that first deposit. You can use all that money, all that bonus cash at mybookie and make use of all the great betting features they have to offer. They have the new cash out early option, which really helps for parlays. They have a ton of live betting options, cash pools, futures, so many ways for you guys to make money. So jump in on it while you can. Again, a couple more weeks left. Go to mybookie.ag, use our promo code UGA for a 50% bonus while this offer lasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, Curtis, despite the general vibe out there, it hasn't been all bad news. I know we see the 18 players transferring and people are upset about that and concerned about it, and I get it, but it hasn't been all bad news. In fact, on Friday, I think we got some huge news that Smile Munden is returning for the 2024 season. Let me ask you, Curtis, how big is it to get Smile back next year? Oh, I think it's huge. You know, he has a you know, his skill set and what he brings to the table is a little bit more similar to people like Raylan Wilson and stuff. So I think, you know, what he brings to the table is more than what Pop was bringing to the table. You know, he's he's one of these guys that is not going to be unseated by the younger guys. So him bringing back his experience and also just his playmaking ability in the in the defensive in the front seven area is huge for us. And I know Smile, I agree with you. I know that he did not have the year this year that he had in 2022, but that was largely injury-based. We know he came in the season banged up to a couple of games, really get back in the swing of things. I mean, he's basically just playing third downs the first game or two, and then he kind of gets back in the swing of things, and he just starts getting banged up late in the year. I mean, guys, I'm telling you, like, this guy had no business being on the field the last couple of weeks of the season, but he did because he's a warrior and want to be out there for his team. The guy was 
not moving well. I mean, he was hurting. He was hurting. He was out there being a leader. And we've said it for – this is not a new thing for us, Chris. We've said this for how many – I mean, that's two years running now. Smile Munden is a better inside linebacker in the modern age of college football and football in general than Pop Dumas Johnson is because he is a true three-down linebacker. Although Pop did stay on the field more consistently on third downs this year. I still have some questions about why that was the case. But Smile's just a, he's a better athlete, simply. It's as simple as that. He's a better silent sideline type guy. He's a better cover guy. He's a better overall athlete. He's got more fluidity in his, in his game. All of those things, he, he's just a better overall athlete. And in this day and age, you need athletes at that position. Pop would have been a freaking star about 10, 15 years ago, Curtis. Like when I was coming up back in the day, like he would have been a star because that's what football was back then. If you want to run the ball right at you, think about like Mark Rick's offenses, the early offenses, right? You, you put Pop back in the days when like Tony Taylor was playing linebacker for us. I mean, Pop's a, he, he is an All-American. But he's not in this day and age of college football because offenses attack defenses differently. It's about space, and it's being able to operate in space, and that's not his game. That's not where he excels. In fact, that's an area of deficiency for him. So, again, as we've said all along, I'm not saying that Pop is not a good player. He is a good player in certain contexts, a really good player in certain contexts. And I would would love to still have him on our team. I I don't even think that that I'm suggesting we're better off without him. I just think that – losing him doesn't really alter our trajectory as a defense all that much because I think CJ Allen's a better player. I think he's going to be a better player, especially in year two. I think Raylan Wilson is going to be a better player in year two. It'd be nice to have a a guy like pop with the leadership and the experience. Of course, it'd be nice to have him, but again, losing him, I don't think is going to have an impact to the degree that it's going to cost us a chance to win championships. That's, That's just my personal belief. Because I believe the guys that were freshmen this year in Raylan Wilson and CJ Allen have higher ceilings and are going to be better players than Pop was. I truly believe that Pop Dumas Johnson would have been the least athletic linebacker in our entire linebacker room last year. And if you don't believe it, if you don't agree with us, that's fine. But what I have an issue with, Curtis, is some people on social media this week were telling me that I was just like making stuff up. It's like, dude, just listen to our podcast. How long? Have, how many years have we been saying this now, Curtis? Two, right? Yeah, at least. I mean, this is nothing new for us. If you, and I know not everyone listens to the podcast. That's fine. I get that. But don't sit here and call us liars and say we're just trying to like rationalize and compensate for losing these guys. It's like, no, actually, we've been saying this for two years straight on this podcast. It's, it's simple. Just go, just go pull it up, pull the tape up, and you hear us say the exact same things. Pop's a good player, but he's not a true fit in this modern day and age. Smile Munden in this day and age is a better inside linebacker. So if we're gonna have to, get, if like, if one of them had to leave and one of them stays. I mean, it's obviously Smile is the one you'd rather have, right? Oh, yeah, no question. Yeah, no question. All right, I do want to ask you about this before we move off of the inside linebackers. Because people on social media, Curtis, usually I don't engage all that much in this kind of stuff because, like, who cares? Like, you're not going to change anyone's mind. But over the weekend, I just, like, I kind of had enough of it, like, seeing all these – all the narratives out there. And it's like, come on, you guys no, have no idea what you're talking about. But, but people on social media kept telling me how thin Georgia is going to be at inside linebacker next year. So I just got to ask you. I, I disagree. I'll give you my thoughts here in a minute. But how do you feel about our inside linebacker depth next year? First off, I'll say our first four will be better than almost anyone's in the nation. And then outside – and that's that's just returning guys. I mean you've got Smile, yeah. C.J. Allen, Raylan Wilson, Troy Bowles, plus now you've got these incoming freshmen. Oh, you how mean Justin Williams, number one inside linebacker in the country? That guy? Exactly. Like how oh, yeah, is the depth him. bad? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what like, I – it's really one of those things that's like, tell me you don't know Georgia's roster without telling me you don't know Georgia's roster. 
Exactly. Show me a team in the nation that has a probably a first five that talented and deep. Curtis, we have on our roster next year, we're going to have four. This is not even including Smile Munden, actually. So, throw, I mean, Smile was a five-star guy. So if you want to throw Smile in there, five top 50 former recruits in our inside linebacker room. And we'll have six top 100 guys in our inside linebacker room. In the last two years, we signed the number two inside linebacker in Raylan Wilson in the 2023 class. And Justin Williams, the number one inside linebacker in this current 2024 class. Smile Monday, a five-star guy back in his day. What team out there, Curtis, has a more talented inside linebacker room than the Georgia Bulldogs? I mean, seriously, nationally, who has a better, more talented room than Georgia? I, I, I honestly can't name one. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know who it is, man. I would say arguably, because I don't know every single roster and every single player and I don't know every single team. I know a lot of them. But I would say arguably, I think I would make the argument the most talented inside linebacker room top to bottom in America. Now, do we have the level of experiences that we would have had if Pop Dumas Johnson stayed? No, we don't. But also, here's this, Curtis. So we're next year among our returners. We're not counting Justin Williams because he's not here yet. And Chris Cole, by the way, is going to be a really good player as well. Let's not forget about that guy. Chris Jones also going to be a really good player. We're going to have almost 1,100 snaps returning at inside linebacker, 1,094 snaps returning at inside linebacker next year. Do you want to take a guess at how many we had coming into 2022, Curse? A year, by the way, in which we won the national championship? Um, 250. Almost nailed it. 283. 283, Curtis. So, I, I mean, I'm just going to go back in time. I know it's been a couple years or a year or so. Do you remember people being as worried about our inside linebacker room coming into 2022? No, not at all. They were because the thought was, man, Pop Dumas Johnson, Smile Monday. The narrative was then those guys are the next ones. Like they're next up. I and mean, like they could have started this year if it wasn't for all these great linebackers we have now. And it's like, yeah, that's true. Well, why are we worried now then? Because both CJ Allen, certainly CJ Allen and also Raylan Wilson have significantly more experience coming in their sophomore years where they could potentially start than either Smile Munden or Pop Dumas Johnson did in 2022. If we weren't worried about those guys in 2022, why in the hell are we worried about C.J. Allen and Raylan Wilson coming in next year when they have far more experience than either Smile or Pop did coming in 2022? It just defies logic to me. It's not logical. It's just it's an, it's an emotional reaction is what it is. That's what it is, Curtis. It's an emotional reaction because everything that we can see here and look at is like, okay, we have, all, we have this guy, this five-star guy, that five-star guy, this number one guy, this number two guy. But we don't have depth because Pop Dubas Johnson's transferring out. That means we don't have depth in inside linebacker because Xavier Sori's transferring out, who was MIA for about seven games in the middle of the season. All of a sudden, we don't have depth. Like, I just – I don't understand it. Like it's, it. There's nothing to understand. Again, it's it's just an emotional reaction. That's okay. This is an emotional sport. We all care. I respect it to a degree. But when you start putting it out there that Georgia is now in trouble because we don't have depth in inside linebacker, it's like, where have you been? Like, do you understand our roster? Do you have any knowledge? You actually watch the football games? And I know a lot of this is people outside the Georgia fan base who I'm really directing this to. And clearly they do not watch Georgia's – they like watch maybe a, like 20 snaps of Georgia all year and think they're experts on Georgia. But we're okay. Let's just say that. I think I think we're perfectly fine there. All right, Kurt, moving on here. I do want to ask you about Carson Beck. This is not a surprise to me as I've been saying here for a couple of weeks. Carson Beck has indeed announced that he will be playing in the Orange Bowl against Florida State on December 30th. What do you read into that, Curtis? Well, I'll, the first thing I'll say is, honestly, if the decision was made that he was going, I don't believe he'd be playing. That's my read on this. Well, okay, I'm just gonna, I, I've said this for a week or two now. I have been told, like people I trust, 
that usually steered me in the right direction, that Carson, as of right now, is is coming back. Now, I say that hesitantly. I, have, I haven't really put that out there too hard because things change when you're talking about young guys like this and, uh, and a decision this big of this kind of magnitude. Minds can be changed, right? But right now, he's leaned towards coming back. And when I saw the news that officially he had – and I've been waiting for him to make that announcement. It just hasn't happened yet. Uh, but when he did – I guess he was at a – I think it was a, an event for Academy Sports, like a charity event. And he was asked by a reporter there, somebody there, if he was going to be playing the Orange Bowl. And he just straight up said, yeah, I'm playing the Orange Bowl. And basically said, like, no comment about the rest. Like, am I going to go to the NFL or whatnot? But I think I, I'm with you, Curtis. Like, if he's going to go pro – why is he playing in the Orange Bowl that doesn't have playoff implications, right? Exactly, because any of these people that are being floated as first-round uh, quarterbacks in the first round probably aren't going to play. They don't, and if, if it's outside the cultural playoff. I mean, the only one I can think of in recent memory, like, and I'm sure there's other examples, but off the top of my head, I'm like a big-time guy that had some high NFL draft was Bryce Young. Yes, yeah. Bryce Young last year. And then the only other one I can think of, I'm trying to, Matt Corral maybe? Didn't Probably, he, but, but he I wasn't even floated. Bowl. I think he got a, hurt in that game in the Sugar Bowl. I think, but he wasn't even being floated as a first round. He wasn't like a top potential number one guy or even yeah. a first round guy. But he did come back and play. But yeah, I think you're right. Bryce Young is the only like guy that was like a legit like top ten caliber guy. That's like, yeah, I'm I'm, a, I'm gonna play in the in the New Year's Six Bowl. So it's very very rare. It's not unprecedented that Cars can say, yeah, I'm playing in the Orange Bowl, but I'm gonna go pro. It's not unprecedented. So I'm not saying like for sure, for sure, for sure, this means he's definitely coming back next year. But taking this with what I have been told about Carson really for a week or two now leads me to believe even more strongly that, yes, Carson is going to be back for 2024. But I, I'm I'm not going to take a deep breath on that until I officially hear him say those words, those words come out of his mouth. But I think that's going to happen. I mean, like right now, Carson, like if you had to put if you had to handicap it, I don't we don't know. This is just a, a dumb question. But if you had to handicap it, like what percentage odds would you give that Carson comes back and plays for Georgia next year? Uh, 60%. I got to say, I mean, I think it's high, but I, you know, until, like you said, until he actually makes that decision, I'm still going to not have, you know, I'm still going to have a little caution. Yeah, of course. Uh, you you got to, there's a little trepidation there until he officially makes it. Like for me, Carson, the longer it goes on, like some people, I, I, had the mindset that the longer it goes on, the better it is for Georgia. And maybe that is the case. But for me, it's like when I keep hearing, oh, he's coming back, he's coming back, but then he hasn't made the announcement yet. The longer, longer it goes on for me, it's like, oh my God, what's happening? Like what's going on behind the scenes? And that does concern me. Because if we lost Carson, like that is a tangible impact on our team next year and on in our, our ceiling next year as a football team. I would be concerned if Carson goes pro next year. And here's the other thing though, too, Curtis. I know like Malik, Malik Murphy, right, from Texas? Yeah. I know that he has hit the portal, and there was some talk that that Georgia was mentioned like as a, a team that's like at least looking into Malik Murphy. But we don't seem to be like that big of a player in that, and we also prior to that have not really been in it in, involved in any of these, at least publicly involved. And usually, you know, you know these things with any of these high-profile transfer quarterbacks. So to me, Curtis, if I'm putting all of these pieces together, what I'm being told by the scenes about Carson, the the reality that we're not really aggressively pursuing transfer portal quarterbacks. And now he announced that he's playing in the orange bowl. You take all of those pieces of evidence together. To me, what that says is Carson is coming back in 2024. Again, yeah. you don't know for sure, but I'm going to say like 75%. I think he's coming back. That's me personally, which I think is, I fair. don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, 60, 75%, like what are we talking about? What's the difference in that? I mean, it's arbitrary, but I still feel strongly Based on everything I'm hearing, based on everything that we're seeing, the evidence, the pieces, read the tea leaves out there, I still 
feel very strongly that Carson Beck is going to be back next year uh, as our starting quarterback, which, uh, man, boom, let's go. Oh, by the way, Curtis, talking about next year, I haven't had you. You haven't been on here since uh, the, the schedule officially came out. What are your thoughts real quick? I know I've, I've had my say on it, but what are your thoughts on the 2024 schedule? It's tough realistically, but I think it's somewhat balanced. Um, I think, you know, the, the tough game is going to be Auburn right after Bama and then a the little bit the stretch after Georgia, Florida. But I, I'll say at least it's balanced to a degree. You know, I'm I'm not it's thrilled. It's not like Florida where they had like, did you just, again, once again, they're, they're back half of their schedule. Do you see like their last five games? Yeah, it's just brutal. Um, Insane. And, and the way I view it is like it's balanced. It's a tough schedule. And like I keep saying, it's balanced, which I think sets up well for the first year of the playoffs for us. I think it's a nav- navigable schedule. I know we, we've, I haven't given an official prediction yet because we don't know who's going to be on the team right now. But like, yeah, what what are you thinking? Like off the top of your head, do you think is 11 and one? 10 and two. I could see liking? 10 and two, 11 and one, um, maybe a nine and three with a visit to Ole Miss. That's, you know, a dangerous one. But I think anywhere from nine and three to 11 and one is what I'm without, you know, without, like you said, knowing who's coming back and everything. Um, that would be like just a speculation at this point. My, what yeah, I, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'll give you my official prediction once we like have a clear picture on what this roster is actually going to be next year. But I still think, I mean, 10 and one or 11 and one, 12 and, or 10 and two. 12 and 0, I mean, it's possible, but unlikely, I would say, with the schedule next year. So we're just gonna be, I think that's just going to be the the wave of the future, Curse. I think there's not going to be nearly as many undefeated teams with how these conferences are being are loaded, loading up now, all these different teams, the the, the uh, compiling of, of these talented rosters in the in like one or two conferences, really, especially the Big Ten and, and the SEC. Well, we, we actually have a mailbag question about that. We'll get that later on because I want to spend more time on that. But, yeah, I think you're you're on the right track there. By the way, Ole Miss, I know everyone's talking about the Texas game and Alabama. Those are really, two really tough games. I know Ole Miss, you know, we beat the hell out of them. What was it 52-17 this year? So no one really pays that much attention to them. Well, have you been paying attention to what they're doing in the portal right now? Yeah, they're loading up on the portal, especially on the defensive side. I think they're going all in. I mean, Ole Miss is a program that doesn't recruit well traditionally because, like, I mean, it's it's Mississippi, right? I mean, they don't have the resources there. But they have – and also, like, I mean, it's Mississippi. Just, you know. But clearly, this is not nothing new in Lane Kiffin. Like, they're underlaying – their philosophy has clearly been we want to direct most of our financial resources with NIL to the transfer portal. And I get that because – they are more they're more attractive option to guys like that who are only be there for like a year or two than guys come out of high school. That's typically how it's been. And what I and this is just speculation on my part. It seems to me though, Curse, I think they know with Jackson Dart coming back and one more year of Quinshot Juckins, Trey Harris coming back at receiver. I think they realize, especially with the with the playoffs expanded to 12 teams, this might be as good of a shot as they have and have had in like 50 years to get into like the national title picture. And so I think they're going all in this year on the portal, you know, financially with NIL. Yeah, I no think that, that's what, that's it. what we're seeing right now. I think they're just they're 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 pushing all their chips in right now, saying, man, if we're gonna make a run, this is the year. So let's go all in while we can. Like maybe let's mortgage the future, I guess, and see what happens. I, hey, you know, so you see this with pro teams, right? Like you know, like the Suns right now, right? Like they got Kevin Durant and and Booker, and they got Bradley Beal now. And it's like, okay, well, I don't know what your future's gonna look like, but we're making a run. For for the NBA title this year. So I think it's kind of what you're seeing with Ole Miss this year. So we'll see how that plays out. That's going to be a tricky game, man, on the road like that. And the talent they have coming back, uh, man. I mean, we're still a, a more talented overall team, but that's – I think we should we should talk about that game the way we talk about Alabama and, Tex, and Texas next year on the road. I really do. I mean, I, th- I think it's three legit top ten road matchups that we're going to have next year, which is insane. So, yeah, if we can get through that 11-1, and 10-2, we're in the playoffs, right? Yeah, I believe so. Got to be. Got to be. 
Okay, guys, we've got a few more topics that we want to get to before we get out of here today. But first, I do want to tell you guys again about our friends at Alumni Hall. We are now under a week from Christmas Day. So if you are in the market for last-second gifts for all the Georgia fans in your life, I know you got them. I know a lot of you probably need those last-second gifts. There's no better place to go than Alumni Hall. And even if you're not in the Athens area, if you are, it's easy. Just go to the Ebsbury Shopping Center. You can shop in-store there. But if not, you can shop online at alumnihall.com. They'll get that order out to you as quickly as possible, and they do that with the the nicest touches you're going to find anywhere. And you can get all that stuff wrapped up, put it under the tree for Christmas Day, and boom, you're going to be an instant hero with all the Georgia fans in your life. Because Alumni Hall has the best selection of all Georgia gear and accessories. So be that hero this Christmas by shopping at Alumni Hall, because Alumni Hall is where the Bulldogs shop. All right, Curtis, last thing here, or maybe almost last thing we have here. We do have a new DB coach, Dante Williams, coming over from Southern California. The reactions to this hire have been kind of all over the place, Curtis. I'm going to ask you, what is your reaction to the hire of Dante Williams as our new DB coach? I'm kind of in a wait-and-see approach. Um, I think Agnostic. Yeah, well, I think this, I mean, I think it's a home run hire recruiting-wise. This guy, you know, seems to be a very high-profile, strong recruiter, which I think is, you know, kind of one thing that Kirby and them always look for, especially on the defensive side. Coaching-wise, you know, it's hard to truly judge him. He I, he was pretty good before the last couple of years at USC. I mean, anyone that worked on the defensive staff is honestly going to look like a bad coach. Um, so I, that, that part, I think, is why some people are cautious. And even me are still, you know, leaving – leaving the door open because I just want to see, you know, was he just kind of a victim of the system out there at USC or what it was, but recruiting wise, I don't doubt him. I think that's the question, Curtis. I mean, USC, there's no getting around it. They were 117th nationally in past defense a year ago. So the question becomes how much responsibility does Dante Williams as their secondary coach, how much responsibility does he bear for that? How much do you put on him? Or is it more a function of just their overall defensive scheme with Alex Grinch? And, and see, then that's that to me is really the million dollar question. Well, honestly, you know, I do question. I think a lot of ways you're a victim of of the of the scheme that the de- that the D coordinator is running. Always, in a lot of ways. I guess. I guess you also have to think of. I mean, who was there because he was there when Clay Helton was at USC. And um, he was the but, interim coach when Helton left. But USC at the same time though has just never been a team committed to defense. You know, especially um, recruiting and development wise. Five star guys here and there, but. You're right. I mean, traditionally, I guess since like the Pete Carroll days, more or less. Yeah, and it's also and it's also different coaching wise too. When you come in and you coach DBs at the University of Georgia, I mean, when your head coach and your defensive coordinator both played it and have a long history of coaching that position, it makes and doing your job involved in it now. Exactly, it makes your job that much easier. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, let's let, let me say this about Dante Williams. I agree with everything you just said there. Does he bear some culpability for USC's past defense woes a year ago? I mean, sure, of course, he bears some culpability for it. I would still put the majority of that blame and responsibility on the team's coordinator, who was a disaster and he got fired. But you can't completely absolve Dante Williams of, of some responsibility there. I think that's fair. But I also go back, and you look a little deeper into his background as a coach, Curtis. So USC was not his first stop. He was at Oregon for a while, did a good job there. It was one of the top teams uh, in the in the country in interceptions forced for a couple of years there. So he, does he not bear some? Does he not get some credit for that? And you also go back to to prior to that, 
In 2014, Curtis, he was the cornerbacks and eventually the secondary coach, the overall secondary coach at San Jose State. I know you don't care about San Jose State. Who does? Who cares about San Jose State? But when he was at San Jose State, Curtis, playing in the Mountain West, and they have some teams that want to chuck the ball all over the place in the Mountain West. In 2014, they were the number one pass defense nationally. And that's when he was the cornerback coach. The next year becomes the overall secondary coach. In 2015, they go from number one nationally to number two nationally. Man, what a, what a drop there. So he had number one, number two nationally pass defense out there in the entire country in 2014, 2015. So I look back at that and say, well, clearly he is capable, right? Like he knows he knows what he's doing to some degree. So it, you kind of got to take both ends of this. All right, yeah, it was bad at USC last year for sure. But prior to that, he had a lot of success as a DB coach. And so I think when you look at that, and you also, as you mentioned, Curtis, this guy is a home run hire as a recruiter. I mean, routinely ranked inside the top 10 nationally in recruiters. Now, how do they rank recruiters? I mean, it's, it depends on who you land and all that kind of stuff. But this guy is seen as an elite recruiter, an elite recruiter, guys. And let's not let's not make it let's, let's not make Fran Brown out to be more than what he was. Fran, Fran Brown was a monster recruiter for us, especially in the, in the Northeast. And he parlayed that success into the head coaching job at Syracuse. I am so happy for him. He's I think he's going to do a great job there because he's because the name of the game, Curtis, more, yes, you got you to develop players. Of course, you got to coach them up for sure. But if you don't have the talent, you're not going to win at a high level. So getting the talent, always, I've always said this, getting the talent is the number one most important job of the coach. Now, then you got to develop them for sure. But if you don't have the talent, you're not going to win at a high level. Like Iowa is never going to win national title first. They're never going to. Why? Because they don't have the talent. They can develop the, the, the lowly rated guys that they have all they want, but it doesn't matter. They're never going to win a title because they don't have the players. All that matters, all that the, the coaching matters, the, the, the X's and O's matter, all that does matter to a degree. But the most important ingredient, in my opinion, is always the players. And that's why we went out and got Fran Brown. And it paid significant dividends for us, especially in that area up in the Northeast. Well, Dante Williams is essentially what Fran Brown is. Like Fran Brown, before he came to Georgia, wasn't known as some like elite developer of talent at, in the defensive backfield. That's not what his reputation was. His reputation was this guy is a dynamite recruiter. And Dante Williams is the exact same thing. He's a young guy. He's 40 years old, relatively young. I want to believe 40 is young these days. And he is going to go out, and he is going to recruit at an extremely high level. And he has just – a lot like Fran Brown had the connections in the Northeast that we didn't really necessarily have. Dante Williams has those connections out on the West Coast, coaching at San Jose State, at Oregon, at USC. And I know that we got some big-time players with Fran Brown in the Northeast, but, Curtis, there's a lot more talent out on the West Coast, right? Absolutely. No question. So, yeah, no question. So, to me, this is a this, this is a great hire. I mean, if you're trying to replace what Fran Brown was for us, Dante Williams is Fran Brown. Like I'm not saying he's the same guy, but he's the same. It's it's the same concept of the type of coach you were hiring. That's what we're going out and doing. And so I, and I know people want to look at USC and then was like, oh my god, like this is the guy we're hiring. What are we doing? I would just say this, Curtis. At this point, do we not trust Kirby Smart when it comes to coaching hires? Yeah, he has a lot more successes than failures. I mean, Trey Scott, Curtis. When we hired him, like, who is this guy? Remember the first couple of years? Oh, my God, Trey Scott. Now what What has Trey Scott become, all right? Glenn Schumann. Now people weren't freaking out about Glenn Schumann, but he'd never been a coach, Curtis. He had never been an on-field coach. Kirby saw it. He knew. He said, come on, bro, and look at Glenn Schumann now. He was a candidate for the freaking Eagles defense coordinator job last year, Curtis. Todd Hartley. Todd Hartley 
prior to being at Miami was a recruiting guy. Like he was a, essentially a recruiting coordinator. That's what he was. And Kirby said, no, man, come on over here. And people killed Stacey Searles. Stacey Searles has done a fantastic job developing, recruiting. Kirby knows what he is looking for. I'm not saying he's batting a thousand on hires, right? Jamila died. There's been some guys that, that weren't necessarily the right fits, but he hits on far more of these coaching hires, far more of these coaching hires than he doesn't hit on. So and I, I'm going to give Kirby the benefit of the doubt. Not only Kirby, I'm going to give Glenn Schumann, who's certainly got a say in this, and Will Muschamp, who certainly has a say in this as well. They both put their input in this. I'm going to give that coaching brain trust the benefit of the doubt until Dante Williams comes in here and proves otherwise. But, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm over the moon about it because, like you said, like we got to see what happens You know, from a developmental standpoint. The USC thing, that, that is somewhat of a stain there. But I, I like the hire. I like that. I'm not going to say it's. I'm not going to sit here and say right now un, unequivocally a home run can't miss hire. But I trust Kirby and I like the recruiting background. I like what I saw at San Jose State from him in terms of the production on the field. And we'll see what happens when he gets here. But I think it's uh you know if we're trying to replace Fran Brown, I mean again I think he's essentially the same kind of coach. All right, Kurt. Before we get out of here, I just want to go rapid fire here because we've had a lot of questions. I, I think I touched on this a couple of weeks ago when the transfer portal first hit. We're and after the SEC title game, we're talking about like who's going to go pro, who's not going to go pro. So I keep getting some questions though, Curtis. So I'm, I'm going to throw this out here, and I just want you to give me. I know this is completely arbitrary, but give me a percentage chance that you think this these guys are coming back to Georgia next year. All right, does that make sense? Yeah, that's fair. Coming back to Georgia. All right, I'm going to start with uh, the most obvious one, Brock Bowers. Zero percent. Yeah, zero percent. Brock's gone. Uh, Marius Mims. Zero percent. Yeah, Marius is gone. Tate Ratledge. Uh, 80%. Coming back? Yeah. Yeah, come, yeah. Yeah, just put that on your back pocket, guys. In fact, um, yeah, I, yeah, I can't go much further than that. But, yes, just put that on your back pocket. I tend to agree with you on that one. Here's an interesting one. One that I probably am getting the most questions on, Curtis. Lad McConkey. Um, I'd say maybe 35%. Would you have said 35% at the beginning of this season? No, I, I would have said probably 0%. I would have said 0%. So why 35% now? What's changed? Um, he just missed a lot of time, and then you take in the fact that he missed some time last year too, so then you start kind of – I don't know. I think you question his – if he can stay healthy enough. And then also I know people say, you know, the route running, things like that. Um, that's crazy. If you're talking about his route running, that's insane. Exactly, because th that's where he excels. That's, he creates separation by running. <laughs> that's insanity to me. It's like, yeah. do you watch Georgia football games? <laughs> it's crazy. But how, okay, how much do you think the the back injury, the nature of having back injuries being able to flare up, how much does that maybe concern NFL personnel and maybe hurt his draft stock to some degree? I think it does, and I think that's one of the big things too. Is that the one big question is because he, I mean, I don't think he won't play um, in the Orange Bowl, and I don't think that that is indicative that he is going pro. Because honestly, here's the thing: even if he was to go pro, I think it'd be a tough question if he could get healthy enough for the combine to pass the medicals there. I do think that's a, a consideration for him right now. I really do. I, I, I truly believe that. I don't think people, the average person understands like how banged up Vlad has been all year. Look at Darnell and Nicobe, the way that those little things that can get you at medicals can, can really hurt your draft stock. Yeah. And he has like former teammates that he can look at as examples and say, Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I still, I still say that I'm with you. I, th I would lean more heavily towards Vlad declaring for the NFL. I think that's the more likely outcome, but I do think that there is a stronger chance than I would have said, even like 
even like, you know, when he was missing the first four games, the first month of the season with a back injury, you know, like I, I assume he would come back and be like lad, like the rest of the year. He, he was lad for what, like two games, right? Maybe. Yeah, about. Yeah. Uh, like two and a half games, maybe. I mean, gets hurt in the old Miss game. And then it's like he's out again. So I, the thing with lad, though, is like he's not going to get bigger. He's not going to get faster. He's he is what he is physically. Right. And I think like in terms of his ability, I mean, he's shown what he can do on the field. Like people say that he can't run routes like that is laughable to me. Like just stop watching football. If, if that's your opinion, don't watch football. because you, you have no idea what you're talking about. That's crazy to me. So I think that's the thing. I think he's also going to say, OK, I'm not going to get bigger. I'm not going to get faster. I'm already like I, I'm already a polished player out here. Sure, can I get better? Sure. Everyone can get better. But how much is that going to help my draft stock? I think more for him, of course, is two things. I think the injury situation, as you laid out, but also how much does it wear on him, Curtis, just – or eat at him, I guess. The way that this season went down, it's supposed to be his triumphant final season here in Athens, and the way it went down, again, he was like really – he was never healthy, but he had like – okay, like we said, like two, maybe two and a half games where he was like Lad McConkey. Like how how do you think that system – is that does that maybe play a role in his thinking here in terms of like maybe I want to come back and actually have like a legit final year at Georgia? Um, I could. If, if you're on the border, those things like that can't be the difference. Yeah, that in itself is not enough, typically, right? Unless yeah. you're just a different dude. Like, I'm not saying it's impossible, but that usually is not the 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 definitive factor, the decisive factor. But you're talking about the injury situation, and you know we lose Alabama the way that we lost Alabama. He could he wanted to be out there helping his team. He was trying to be out there with the help of his team. He did everything he could, but you still couldn't really contribute the way you wanted to. And you just, I mean, I can imagine, Curtis, how frustrating this year was for him. Can you think about like how frustrating it had to be for him, all the oh, injuries yeah. and being out. Inc- incredibly frustrating absolutely insane man insanely frustrating so i'm with you i think 35 percent is probably a, a good number there i again i still lean towards to being more likely that he does go pro i'm not trying to get anyone's hopes up until lab mcconkey's coming back it's not what i'm doing i'm just saying i i, I know he i know he's thinking about it all right i, I just uh, trust me that's, i mean that's what i mean totally he's he's strongly considering it now what way is he leaning what's his decision ultimately going to be i don't even know if he really fully knows that right now but he is certainly thinking about it and if you would have told me that before the season, I would have said, that's crazy. Lev McConkey's 100% gone. Like, let's just enjoy this final year. But I don't know if it's a done deal yet. So we'll just have to keep keep that one in your back pocket. Again, don't get your hopes up too much. But just I think the door, the window is open maybe a little bit more than it otherwise would have been if the season had gone. Like maybe his first couple of years had gone. All right, and then the last one here, Curtis, Javon Bullard. Ooh, you know, I don't know enough about kind of which way he's leaning, but I would say 50-50. Um, and the only reason I say that is because he just doesn't have a lot of film at safety. Yeah, that's the thing. Because that's what he's going to play. Yeah, in, in, and, in and that's the only reason I say that is, I mean, we know he's very similar to Ladd, but the big difference, you know, where they've done it all, and, but the difference is he doesn't have the film at the position of the, his future. Yeah, the NFL, to play slot DB, you've got to be like elite, like an elite cover guy. And Javon is great. But he's not an elite cover guy. He never was. Even when he played star, he was never an elite cover guy. He just not. He doesn't have the size and, and that kind of quickness, you know. But at safety, being able to, to play with everything in front of you and coming downhill to defend the run, I mean, that's that's what he excels at. And he's so good at that. He's so great for us. I would say 60-40 that he comes back. Honestly, that, that's just me throwing a number out there. Again, based, and I have heard some things from people I trust, but it's kind of like that. There's no no nothing definitive there, but. Everything that I have been hearing and also some of the, just reading the tea leaves out there does seem to indicate Javon is leaning more towards coming back next year. It's like with Lad though. Don't get your hopes up. You can maybe It's maybe a little safer to get your hopes up with Javon than it is with Lad, but 
still certainly not a done deal there because a lot like Ladkers, like Javon's not gonna get bigger or faster, right? Yeah, no, he won't. Now he he is who he is physically. That's not really gonna change, but I think you're exactly right. You know that what's gonna change is the tape that he puts out there at that position. And I, I think that's something, certainly something that's got to be a, a factor in the, in this uh, decision for him. So we'll see. Um, he could very well go pro, but I, I would lean slightly more towards Javon coming back than him going pro right now. But that's uh, that's just me. And I, I, one more real quick, Kamari Laster, he's gone, right? Zero percent. Zero. Zero. Yeah, he's gone. He's gone. Okay. Um, well, let's throw, let's throw a couple out there. Nas Stackhouse. Um, eighty percent. He comes back. 95% he comes back. He's coming back. Um, yeah, well, yeah, you're definitely right. Uh, let's see. Zion Logue's already gone. He's going to the East-West Shrine Bowl, so that basically means he's going pro. Uh, Warren Brinson? Uh, 80%. 95% going out yeah. there again. Yeah. Those two are coming back. How much does that – how encouraging is that for you, Curtis, to get those two guys back? It's huge. I think if, it helps. If we get them back. I if. think if we get them back, it may help us be able to tar- target more specific people in the portal because and be a little bit more selective than we may have been, especially on the defensive line. Yeah, I think we can also maybe potentially combine some NIL yeah. funds because we were going to. Yeah, I didn't want to like, say like, that. Three guys yeah. at that position. By by being more more targeted, it gives you more money. Yeah, exactly. Instead of like having to disperse the money amongst like three. Interior demons alignment. Now maybe you do it amongst two or one guy if it's the right guy, depending. So I, I, I'm. Let's just say I feel very confident those two guys are going to come back. Which I, I don't know if that necessarily changes the game for us because they were here this year, Curse. We talked a lot about how our defense line wasn't the same, but having those guys and the experience they have, that's a really good starting point, right? Yeah, and absolutely. If you can bring in a a big time guy from the portal, which uh, remains to be seen. Like, and here's the thing too, Curse. And everyone's like, well, who are we going to get? Like. This is just the first window right now. And it, by the way, it goes all the way through January 2nd. So there's still plenty of time for guys at the portal that haven't got haven't hit it yet. Like maybe they're waiting until after their bowl game. Like I don't know, maybe a guy like Dan Walker. We'll see. Dan Walker might stay at Kentucky, but he could still. I know people are looking at it saying, well, he's 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 not going to the portal now. He's staying in Kentucky. Maybe he will, but just because he hasn't entered the portal yet doesn't mean he won't. You also have the portal window following spring practice and the one before May. So there's still time out there just because the name you want isn't out there right now or just because Walter Nolan's like he's training somewhere else doesn't mean that I'm, I'm Georgia just whiffed on defensive linemen. There's still plenty of time, okay? Just put that out there. And also, it'd be really nice if, I don't know, maybe Jordan Hall could g- develop into the five-star guy we think he's going to be, right, as early as next year? Yeah, that would that would be huge. If that happened, then, you know, it certainly changes the game significantly but look I, I i Nas is better than he played this year he was better in 2022 i think he can get closer to what he was in 2022 next year warren brinson is a different kind of guy for us in terms of his ability to be disruptive and penetrating the backfield i hope that we use him more in that regard next year and just played his skill set um so i i would i absolutely am excited to um again i don't want to say definitively but potentially possibly very possibly get both those guys back and and see how that kind of makes the demons of line kind of at least have that experience factor coming back and hopefully have some some big time impact players to add to that but um all right curtis anything else on uh, the recent news has been hitting the wires here the past couple of days no i think we got it all right guys that does it for us then on the glory uj podcast today we will be back of course later this week we have more great content planned for you guys so keep on coming back for more And before long here, we're going to get into some actual Orange Bowl talk. So some great stuff coming up for you. Thank you for being here. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.